podcast has bad words. <laughs> Every little thing you think that you need Every little thing you think that you need Every little thing that's just feeding your greed Oh, I bet that you'd be fine without it Wait, is the pen drop... Is that is that like like when a comedian drops the mic? <laughs> is that like the equivalent when like for a writer? The far less dramatic. <laughs> you just like write something and drop your pen. Like, do you, do you think Sean does a typewriter drop? <laughs> like the murder she wrote, like ching that year. That's a perfect place to start. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Minimalist Podcast, where we discuss what it means to live a meaningful life with less. My name is Joshua Fields Milburn, and I'm Ryan Nicodemus, and together we are the Minimalists. Today we're going to talk about tribes we're going to talk about picking sides whose side are you on ryan i'm on your side josh that's that's the right answer as long as you're on my side we're gonna talk about finding common ground with people who have different beliefs with today's guest my friend comedian and political podcaster jamie kilstein is here jamie thank you for being here hi everybody i'm so excited about this awesome man so so jamie we we met on twitter like uh, all good relationships start (laughs) yep well at least in the 21st century that's where all good relationships so i've met more awesome people on twitter than anywhere else i hate twitter and social media with all of my being and like have told agents when they're like what's your goal in 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 life and like in hollywood i'm like my goal is to get famous enough to get off social media forever (laughs) which agents uh don't want to hear so don't do that but at the same time i have met like my best friends through twitter yeah if there's someone you admire you can reach out and like become homies it's amazing yeah so today we're going to talk about finding common ground and i think one of the the problems with social media is people are just lobbing grenades at each other because like oh we don't have common ground i'm gonna have to destroy you if i disagree with you and we want to do the opposite today we we want to help people find some common ground so we've got some questions here today let's start with morgan in salt lake city utah right now i'm struggling with a tiny predicament I hate the snow, and I have been in Salt Lake City my entire life. I'm 24 years old, so that's 24 years of snow. And I recently went to Phoenix and fell in love with the city, brought my boyfriend with me, and he was kind of indifferent. And I'm struggling because I don't want to, like, leave him behind to start over, but I don't know how to handle the snow another year, another winter. And I just can't seem to get him on board with the Arizona idea. So how do you handle a scenario where you're ready to, like, jump in both feet and your partner is hesitant? Minimize them. Next question. (laughs) (laughs) I have so many thoughts on this. I feel like there's got to be, I mean, I would love to ask her how the relationship is otherwise because she sort of sounded ready to go when she was like, man, I hate the snow. I'm like ready to leave. Like her (laughs) voice dropped in a kind of whisper. And I feel like if you're that willing to leave your boyfriend or your partner behind over like the weather, uh, there may be something else to examine there. I think that I am moving to Arizona tomorrow. I have only lived in New York City and Los Angeles because of my career. 
ever since I started visiting Arizona, much like her, something magical has happened. I don't honk my horn. I'm not on my phone as much. I'm not driving as fast. I'm not constantly uh, uh, feeling judged. Uh, And the weather I get too. In New York, I was... I mean, New York's miserable besides the weather. New York, <laughs> when I moved to L.A. and people were like so mean about L.A., like all my New York friends are like, yeah, they're just fake happy. And then I moved out here and I'm like, no, they're happy happy because it's amazing and because right. it's sunny and because everyone's positive and because, you know, a, 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 a homeless guy didn't take a, a shit in your backpack on the subway <laughs> and then you get back to your apartment and one of your 15 mean roommates took a shit in your other backpack. Like it is, I am, I, I was so happy to be be here uh la was my upgrade from new york and saved me from legit depression Mm. and arizona is kind of my upgrade from la or my my minimizing i should say i went new york la arizona which you guys have a lot to to do with what gave me the confidence to do that so i don't want her to think that because she's probably thinking that she's a bad person right now where Mm. am i willing to leave this guy behind because i don't like the snow Mm. but she also sounded emphatic that it's probably not just the snow and also seasonal depression is real Mm -hmm. i used to get very depressed in the winter over new york and and i also i'm in a situation now man where i just met this girl who's coming to arizona with me and without hesitation like we fell in love we gave each other confidence. We built each other up and she quit her job and she told her parents she's moving to Arizona with this guy she just met. I flew down. I met her parents. Uh, it, it's the the best best relationship I've ever been in and we're doing this dramatic move together, you know? if It would be one thing if he, you know, his job, if he's a snow shoveler in Utah and like that's his passion <laughs> and, and, and she's taking him away from that. But I don't know, man. I mean... If he knows that it is affecting your mental health and there's nothing, you know, maybe his family's there. We don't know. Right. But if there's nothing pulling, it would be cool if he was supportive or if he doesn't like Phoenix, which, by the way, I don't like Phoenix and I'm moving to Arizona. uh, Check out other places in Arizona because there are doper, quieter places that are still an hour or two hours away from Phoenix. You're going to Tucson, right? Yeah. Yeah. Tucson's great, man. It's incredible. I love that city. It's like pre South by Southwest Austin. Everyone's just like friendly when they were like, oh, this is the bar district. I don't drink. So I was like, oh, I don't want to check that out. But there were like 18 <laughs> bookstores like on the like party block, yeah. like made for me. And it's an hour <laughs> and a half uh, outside of Phoenix. So when my friends and bands are playing in Phoenix, you can just drive up. So maybe yeah. that's the solution. But I would talk to him, be super open, tell him why it's important to you. Don't do that thing couples do sometimes where you just want them to kind of read your mind where you're like, we should move to we should move to Phoenix. And he's like, I don't really like Phoenix. It's like, why don't you support me? It's like, because well, you're not telling him how important it is to you. Mm-hmm. Um, and then take it from there. That's kind of my first yeah. instinct. No, I, I think uh, I definitely would like to know more information about the relationship because I agree there was some hesitation in her voice with the relationship yes, in general. Yes. And the and the, the moving to Phoenix is, it seems like a symptom of something maybe more that's going on. Yeah. But yeah, I totally agree. Like my biggest recommendation would be like, yes, uh, just to echo what you said, like really get clear with him. Like, hey, I need this to happen in my life in order for me to be happy. Yeah. Like I want you to be happy. I know you want me to be happy. So I'm going to need some type of support. So if it's not Tucson, Arizona, Arizona. If it's if it's not you know Flagstaff, that's his place in Arizona, right? Yep, yep, like, yep. <laughs> like you know, ask him if there is some warm weather state that he would be willing to consider. Yeah. I mean, this is where the common ground comes in, right? Yeah, for for me, I, I know when we were living in in Missoula. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was done. I was also, I was a lot like Morgan. I was so done with the snow. Like yeah. I, I, I spent the first like 30, 
six plus years of my life committed to winter yeah growing up in dayton ohio right and and the snow there and by the way the crazy humid summers there and i'm i really like Dayton. i like everything about dayton except the weather yeah and uh leaving there we went to missoula we actually only were supposed to be in montana for four months but we both met our significant others there ended up being much longer but in order to leave because there are complications right like you said there might be family there might be jobs there might be circumstances that tether you to a place or root yeah. you to a place. Or in your case, Bex had a kid there. Yeah. yeah. And, and and so when I met Bex, you know, she she had Ella. Ella was one when I met Bex. Yeah. And and so you have to take all of these things into consideration. And then the question is, okay, I can't do it right now. This isn't about like, well, we need to pack up everything immediately and, and run away because mm-hmm. you don't want to run away from the place you're at. You want to be running to the place you're going. Yes, you want to be excited about it. First of all, Phoenix is too, like the reason I think there's a problem with the relationship is Phoenix is like too shitty to throw away a good relationship. You know what I mean? Like, and I love Arizona. It would be one thing if she was going to like Maui or something like that. But if she's just like, it's between my husband and Des Moines, I'd be like, it's probably your husband, dude. Like, But yeah, I, I am so- To be clear, Real quick, I would much rather live in Des Moines or Phoenix than Maui, personally. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, all right. Fair, fair, fair. Uh, I'm sorry to all the Des Moines. And I told you I would be apologizing five minutes into this uh, podcast. But I, we are so excited. So my girlfriend and I were literally like, we should think about moving out of L.A. next year. And then we just kept getting more excited. And we're like, we should go when our lease is up in August. And then we were like... Then we went to Tucson and we were like, we should go in July and pay double rent, which is what we're doing. Mm. And then it got to the point where we were like, what's the earliest we can move in? And we're going to like pay an extra week to leave <laughs> the last week of June. Right. Um, That's it's awesome. because we're excited. And you want to be with someone where the last panel of Calvin and Hobbes is like my favorite piece of literature where it's essentially like, let's go on an adventure together. And mm. and that's what you want uh, in a partner. And like I said, maybe it's not Phoenix. If you just need to get away from the snow, it's not Phoenix. Uh, it doesn't have to be Phoenix. Right, you know, absolutely. it can be so many other places. Um, but definitely think about the relationship and don't stay in a resentful relationship. It's so dangerous, you know? Um, yeah, yeah, I think you don't want, you want to end up in a place where you're not resenting the other person. And, and, and the same is also true for your boyfriend, Morgan. You don't want to drag him to Phoenix. Right. And now he's going to resent the relationship because that puts you in an odd predicament where you, you feel now obligated to sort of pacify or make up for it in some way. I love the idea, Jamie, of adventure and finding someone that you can adventure with and yeah. realizing that each chapter is just that. You don't. You want to leave Salt Lake City for you right now, which is definitely one of my top five favorite cities. I I really like Salt Lake City, and you're talking about going to another place. Tucson is top three favorite cities for me. Yeah. I really enjoy both places, but there's a reason that you want to leave. There's a reason that you that you want to go r- right now, but also realize that in in dragging him to another state. Man, you, you can create this this dissident that will have ripple effects from here on out. And so you better have a plan in place. Yeah, and last thing for me, which is 
it would be better to go on an adventure to discover yourself in a city that you've fallen in love with, like Phoenix, than to have a mediocre relationship uh, in a new city to try to save that relationship, mm-hmm. right? If you think Absolutely. Phoenix is going to save your relationship, nope. it's it's just going to be a little warmer when you fight. Um, <laughs> as opposed to, it is equally an adventure to go to rediscover who you are, to find the things you love, to start again in a new city. You know, I know even if me and my girlfriend broke up in Tucson, both of our lives are better for this adventure. She got to leave this nine to five that she never thought she could get out of. She has this new confidence and realizes like she's artistic. Like I get to create, not because I'm in front of a bunch of industry in Los Angeles or because I want to get onto TV, but because I love the art of stand-up comedy and I get to be in nature instead of being in New York City or Los Angeles. Like both of us are going to come out no matter what happens. I hope we get married. I hope we have a family. But we're also entering into a situation where no matter what, both of us are we're moving forward. Like yeah, you talked about. Yeah. Like I said earlier, th- this is a chapter and, and breakups aren't necessarily a bad thing. We did a whole podcast episode with Nate Green uh, about breakups. I heard that. <laughs> and and he, he just got out of this 10 year relationship. And and what you learn from that is you can appreciate those months, days, years, whatever together, and you can move on from the thing. You can graduate from a relationship and be a better person because of it, and also be a better partner for future partners as a result. So breakups aren't inherently a bad thing. In our culture, we've treated them that way. Oh, yeah. We, we say, well, I we got into one fight, and now I hate you, and it's retroactive to everything that we've ever done, and yeah. I, I yeah. want to pretend this relationship never happened. Yeah. yeah. What a terrible way to look that was like I gave Absolutely. you uh, notes on my divorce. I had, you just read like the press blurb of my marriage. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what happened. Where I'm, I'm, you have 10, 12 years together, and suddenly it's like you, like we hate each other now. Like that's garbage. Like yeah. maybe we got into a fight. Maybe like we definitely weren't right for each other. Maybe whatever. But like it's a bummer to not be able to go back and appreciate um, like the good stuff that happened because good all, stuff always happens. The, the opposite of nostalgia because nostalgia like paints everything with rose colored glasses right. like oh, everything was great about that I miss it I want to go back yeah. but you don't think about like oh yeah there was a lot of pain and, yeah. and, and discomfort or whatever and so the opposite of nostalgia would be like everything was terrible nothing was good about this what's well, no. a defense mechanism like yeah. she'll do that with if she moves out of Salt Lake which I really hope you do um, she'll do I, I did that with New York until I went back I literally went back to visit New York three months ago and I was like why didn't anyone say this city's incredible this is like an amazing I'm like looking at buildings I lived there for like my whole life and I'm just suddenly like this is magic I'm walking through New York I went through Times Square which I always avoided when I lived there and it's because if you asked me what I hated about New York five years ago I would have said oh it's too crowded everyone's mean blah 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 the real answer is my ex-wife my ex-girlfriend I felt like a failure Mm. Uh, I dropped the ball like with comedy like I ruined this friendship it was just personal like it's psychological residue is what my therapist calls it yeah Mm. and I do the same thing with comedy like when I quit comedy before I went back before I came back to it instead of just being like man I really appreciate comedy as an art I was like fuck comedy fuck comedians like you know when Robin died like he was one of my best friends and my comedy like took Robin Williams like and I just hated it and only re- recently, recently have I started rewatching stand up, and I'm like, no, I love stand up. I felt like a failure, so I just wanted to burn everything down behind me. And the only way to grow is to learn from everything behind you, and then again, use that to propel you forward. Yeah, you know? I, I like what you did with Bex, Josh. Like when you kind of decided you were like going to graduate from 
Missoula. You didn't give her an ultimatum like I'm leaving next week, no. and you can either come with me or not. I mean, it was mm-hmm. like how can we figure this out together? Right, it, and you compromised because yes. if it was up to you, and if it was just you, you probably would have left that week. When Immediately, you, yeah, right. Well, I actually had Elise in my inbox on our first date, so I was ready to come Whoa. here, and I I actually had to call the landlord and I said, hey, look, some things have changed. I'm gonna stick around in Missoula for a little bit. Really mm-hmm. sorry. Like I had a place to live and everything in L.A. The week that I met Bex, when I'm like, I, there's something here. That's so romantic. Let me, let, I like that. A let lot. me figure this out. But to your point, Ryan, yeah, I, I I didn't just say, well, I'm gonna move and you need to come too. It's like, mm-hmm. hey, this is something that's important to me. Is there a way that we can figure this yes. out together? Mm-hmm. And knowing that it wasn't going to be easy and there are all these other complications that rooted her to Missoula, but we had to find a way to make it work. And it took yeah. an additional, what, two and a half years to make that work yeah. before yeah. we were able to to exit. So I had to deal with the snow and the long winters a little bit longer, yeah. but was she worth it? Yes. Yeah. And Morgan, is, is your boyfriend worth it? Yeah. Only you can determine that. Yeah, I mean, really what... What, what I think that story says is like, Morgan, if you want your boyfriend to bend a little bit, like you're going to have to also bend a little bit. Yeah. Like you, how long did it, it was a year. It wasn't in a year after you kind of, like when you had that lease in your inbox from that day. Two and a half years. It was two and a half years. Yeah. So you stayed in Missoula for two and a half years to, and that, but that was your compromise. It, just so she doesn't get scared mm-hmm. by what you're saying. I think she sounds like she needs to go now, but mm-hmm. I think what you're saying is look for that compromise. Right. Like it doesn't mean you have to stay another winter if you mentally can't take another winter. Of course. But yeah. like um she sounds like she does what I do where she went to a place and was suddenly like, this is the place that's going to solve all my problems. Like, oh my God. And then she looks and the boyfriend isn't as excited and she just feels like a stab to the heart mm. where it's like, now's the time, but you still got a couple months before winter. Like, hey, let's visit some other places. Yeah. Let's, you know, uh, do this. So maybe you're not stuck there for two and a half years, but you know, if you could do two and a half years, she can visit a couple other cities. Sure. Yeah. You're yeah. probably one conversation away from solving this. Now, solving it can mean one of Break two out. different directions, yeah. right? But you're probably one important, difficult conversation away yes. from solving this. Morgan, I'd love to give you a copy of our book, Minimalism. Uh, it's the first book Ryan and I ever wrote, but it's about the five foundational values in our lives. And there's one. Well, there's one chapter in there about relationships and the nuances of relationships. It's called Get the Fuck Out of Salt Lake City. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, man, Utah Jazz are there. (laughs) That's my basketball team. Anyway, um, so, Sean, if you could reach out to Morgan and give her the audiobook version of Minimalism. If you, it's Minimalism, Live a Meaningful Life is is the full title. Uh, But uh, if you like our podcast, you will enjoy the audiobook version of Minimalism. Or if you want the book book or the ebook, we'll be happy to send those to you as well. Ryan, what time is it? You know what time it is. It is time for our lightning round where we answer questions from social media. Indeed, we do. We are at The Minimalists on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Instagram? And uh, Jamie Kilstein is at Jamie Kilstein on Twitter. I think at the Jamie Kilstein on Instagram. Yes, follow me and uh, validate. (laughs) It's funny. I heard you talking about the validation on Twitter. How you're constantly refreshing. And it's like I get caught in that sometimes too, man. Like I had made this comment on like yesterday. It happened. I was uh, responding to something that. 
oh no, it's totally the comedian slipping my mind. But anyway, he said something about Jamie Kilstein. Yeah, right. <laughs> hilarious comedian. Hilarious Jamie comedian. Kilstein. That's the other hilarious comedian. <laughs> no, I said he said something about jean shorts and how people in jean shorts are like bound to walk slow. And I was like, yeah, because like they can't help but strut with such fashion or something. <laughs> and I start and I started getting yeah. all the, I started getting all these likes. And I found myself like refreshing. Like, how many oh, more likes yeah. did I get this hour? How many more likes did I get in the last two oh, hours? And by the way, that you know to tie it to what Joshua was saying in the beginning of the episode, that's why that's one of the main reasons we are screaming at people with different political points of views on Twitter. I was doing that when I was miserable and when I was in a relationship that was failing and when I was in a city that I didn't like is I would wake up every day. The more if you tweet. If you get home and you tweet like, I really love the trailer for Lion King, no one gives a shit, except for someone who's going to be like, Lion King's problematic. And you're like, well, I don't know why. But if you tweet hatred or vitriol, or if you attack someone, or if you attack, you know, like, I'm still pretty liberal, but if I attack someone who I don't think is as liberal, and then it's infighting, mm. or you go to, like, shame someone, that's when your likes and favorites start to bounce up. Mm. So that's what got me addicted to it, and I think that's why all we're doing is calling each other Marxists and Nazis, because... That's what gets the validation. That's what gets your tribe to kind of team up and start retweeting and start yeah. favoriting. So now you have this adrenaline of I'm in a political battle, but you're also getting the dopamine hits from the refreshing. Wow, dude, I, I've been uh, recently for some reason these stories have been popping up on my YouTube feed. So I know there's an algorithm. There's something I'm looking at that's suggesting these videos, but it's these like self sabotaging stories of these social media or YouTube influencers who had it all go to their head. So then they started like just saying crazy. Like this one guy was like, I am the antichrist. Like Fousey yep. tube. <laughs> you, you remember him, Jordan? Fousey no. tube. But, yeah, but he I had mean, like 10 million followers and like had a break, an internet breakdown. Right. So, yeah. so th I mean, yeah. but that's, but that is exactly one of the stories that pops up in my feed. I mean, I haven't heard of Fousey tube specifically, but, but that arc is like a very common thing where you, because you want the validation and you get so hooked on the dopamine that yes. it makes it, truly makes you have a mental breakdown or changes your mentality. And you don't need friends in real life because you have them online because yeah. you're getting the likes. And not just friends, but now oh, celebrities are retweeting me when mm. I call this politician an asshole or whatever. And that's a much bigger deal. So then you start to uh, uh, take down your contact with people on the outside and your real relationships. I've said this before, but I would literally... Someone could be like, I was like, you know, the term virtue signaling is used by a lot of extremists, but it, it was what I was doing where someone could be like, hey, Jamie, your mom's on the phone and needs to talk to you. And I would be like, tell her I can't talk. I'm tweeting about feminism. You know what I mean? Like I was ignoring people in my real life mm. to just put out this image of being this like amazing guy online. And it becomes addicting and yeah. i really do think that is a huge part of why we're all screaming at each other yeah. uh, on the internet yeah it's a slippery it's, slip i just remember who the comedian was it was bill burr that's who it was ah, he said yeah. something about so it yeah. anyway all right so he, he should said we some funny things about our documentary did he yeah what did he say yeah it was uh uh it's you go go to the making minimalism video on our youtube channel yeah he uh he was talking about, I get it. Get rid of your stuff. You'll be happy. Like, you know. The, the, oh, the, yeah. The, that, that's a really yeah. good Bill Burr. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's funny. I've had people come up and say that at our events where they're like, aren't you really just saying, like, focus on what's important to you and get rid of your stuff and not focus on things? I'm like, yeah. Uh -huh. They were like, well, you know, what's up with this event? I'm like, you can't really just tweet that and add value to people's yeah. lives. Like, like, oh, that's so profound. <laughs> right. I, 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 and our work is done. I, that, that's, I, what, that's actually what, why I really like Jamie's uh, podcast is because he creates nuance where it's not like it, it's it, he does a podcast for the tribalist. I think that's how, how you identify. Yeah, it. it's one of the ways. And, and so like 
he is like center left. Used to be really far left, and realized like the the wrongness of his ways. But you don't you don't correct that by swinging all the way to the right, which was tempting, by the way. Like when I lost a lot of the far left audience, you know, I literally had a book deal offer when I and I lost all my money, and I I was sleeping on a couch, and I had a book deal offer to be that guy that's like why I left the left and the right is right, and I'd have my own Fox News Mm. special, and it would be great. And I spent nights on YouTube being like. All right, maybe I'll like like this Ben Shapiro guy, and I'm like, no, no not really. And <laughs> but but you also recognize that you can agree with some of the things he says he without says, dismissing him exactly. Altogether. And yeah. that's what I'm trying to do. There are so many issues that if we actually talk to each other, even the most contentious political issues, you will find things you agree on. And I have just lived a better life. You know, people say if you talk to the other side, you're like selling out. But mm. I have. Aren't you going to lead a better, more fulfilling life not thinking that we're like surrounded by Nazis if we're yeah. not surrounded by Nazis? I mean, my I went to Texas to meet my girlfriend's parents the other week, and they are conservative, uh, worked in oil, everything that the old Jamie who interviewed Noam Chomsky three times would have been like, <laughs> we're throwing down, you know, I'm to bring my picket sign to dinner. But all I, all I cared about this time, I didn't care about their politics. All I cared about is that my girlfriend loves them more than life itself and mm. that they love and support her no matter what she's doing. It's like, and, oh my God, I can find common ground with people who have different beliefs yes, from me. And yeah. by the way, when we agreed on the fact that, hey, we all love Emma, when, when that was the agreement we came up with, we talked about guns, we talked about religion, we talked about gay rights, we talked about everything you're not supposed to talk about at the dinner table, let alone the dinner table on day one mm. of you meeting your girlfriend's parents when you look like I do and covered in tattoos <laughs> already. I'm like starting at a bit of a downfall. And the mom was texting me, I love you within two days because we connected that hard on the those really hard issues because we both accepted that we have the same values. And as long as you have the same values, now we can talk about that we disagree on how to get to those values. Mm-hmm. But instead of being like, oh, you don't believe in universal health care, you want kids to die or you're not pro-choice, like you right. hate women. Like, But finding out like, why do you believe these things? Mm-hmm. Um, then you can actually come up with solutions. Yeah. Yes, indeed. Yeah. Right, I was trying to answer these questions in less than 140 characters. Jesus uh, Christ. <laughs> <laughs> Sean puts the uh, our quotes in the show notes. You can also find them at minimalmaxims.com. He actually just makes it something pithy that yeah. is tweetable. We can ramble just, on a little bit. Yeah, you bit. just ramble and then Sean, Sean will make it look pretty. Great. All right, our first question is from Amanda. How can I find common ground with people who have different beliefs, such as how to raise your kids? I'm glad she didn't use like another belief like you know something that was truly divisive like this is i feel like this is a very nice like well we do have a question about abortion later so we'll get to that <laughs> great, great, great. Uh, but uh here's my pithy answer for you stand your ground even if you can't find common ground and really what i'm saying there is is don't compromise your values you can change your beliefs beliefs are are malleable and they mm-hmm. should be otherwise it becomes dogma and that's really dangerous we talked about that on last week's episode yeah. But also listen to the people who have different beliefs because they might even change your mind. I'm not talking about a full 180, but they might make you pivot five degrees. Mm-hmm. And that five degree shift, as Jamie figured out when he was, he, he decided, to, you know, maybe these beliefs, maybe I'm too tethered to them. I'm clinging to them too tightly. I don't need to let go of all of them, but I need to loosen my grip a little bit. Yeah, yeah. I um. I don't know how to give a pithy answer to this, so I'll say uh, there's no I in team. That's my pithy answer. And then <laughs> Perfect. My actual... <laughs> my that original quote? <laughs> but, yeah, yeah, yeah. That was all there's me. There's no I in team, Jamie Kilstein. The Jamie Kilstein podcast.com. <laughs> um, yeah, I... 
I, I was actually, I'm excited to answer the abortion because I think there's, I, I think there's an, an answer to even the most controversial. Okay, we'll get to that. I, but but I, let, let's I, talk about raising kids. I think raising kids <laughs> is actually like equally as personal, right? Like if someone told me how to raise my kids, I you you want to get very very defensive. Um, what I would say, I totally agree with you, which is you can learn from everybody. You can learn from the people you totally disagree um, with. It, 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 it's Bruce Lee, be like water, right? Like the reason mm-hmm. Bruce Lee became one of the best martial artists is because he didn't stick to just, I'm just going to be a karate guy or a jujitsu guy or a Muay Thai guy or a boxing guy. He took the best from each art. Um, I think it was like he said, like use what's useful, disregard what's useless or something mm-hmm. like that. And he took the best from each art. And this is how we have modern mixed martial arts as well. Use that and threw away the stuff he didn't like, right? So there's probably something you can learn from even the people who you most vehemently disagree with on raising your kids. But like you said, I mean, it's your kids. You're going to know as long as you're not being stubborn and you're not ignoring that person's opinion for something that has to do with your own ego where you're mm-hmm. like, these are my fucking kids and I know how to raise them. And if I want to let them sit in a hot car with the windows up, I mean, you know what I mean? Like, right. well, that's not good. <laughs> but at the same time, you know, see if there's anything to learn from it, then you can just kind of move on. But if you have a friend who is constantly ridiculing you, if that's what inspired her tweet where she has someone or a relative or a sister or someone who just every time you see him, you know, you really should be doing this with your kids. You really should be doing this. Maybe that person is like a shitty person uh, and you don't need to have them in in your yeah, life. Love and, them from a distance. Yeah, yeah. And they're projecting their own stuff mm-hmm. uh, on you. But if, 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 if it's well-intentioned advice and it's not coming in a passive aggressive or mean way, see if there's anything to take from it uh, and then be like, thank you for your, uh, thank you for your comments, your thoughts and comments. And yeah. then just move on that's exactly it man i mean my short answer is showing respect is the best way to avoid confrontation so yeah if someone wants to give you advice on your kids and you don't want to hear it that's exactly what you I do. just go cool man yeah thank you thank you for the advice i appreciate it because that's really what do we want out of our relationships romantic or friendships man like we want to show respect we want to be respected like that's how you're going to get along with people even though you have different beliefs yeah all right our next question is from nick nick, nick. Uh, why do I find it so difficult to find common ground with certain people? No matter how open-minded and considerate I try to be, it feels impossible. Is my problem a lack of willingness to learn something new? Is it close-mindedness? Well, my, my pithy answer is this, and we can unpack it a little bit. Um, because the the question is, hey, am I being closed-minded? And, and I think this is a spectrum, right? So... An open mind is an asset. A porous mind is a liability. Mm. You're like this glass right here, it works really well because there is a top and I can sip out of it. If it was completely closed, it would just be a, a vessel of trapped water. If there was a hole in the bottom or on the side or a bunch of holes throughout, then it wouldn't serve any purpose at all, right? Mm-hmm. And I think the same is true with, with the open mind, closed-minded thing. And, and Jamie, with you, you... you you had a relatively closed mind when, yeah. when you were podcasting before, right? For sure. And, and this is something that you've, you've talked about. Yeah. I mean, uh, my pithy answer is when God closes a door, he opens a window. That's also <laughs> trademark Jamie Kilstein. Um, and yeah, totally. I mean, a lot of times we, and we see this on Twitter when like someone's Twitter bio is like contrarian. And you're just like, if that's the thing you're going to own, it's like, I'm going to constantly shit on your ideas and disagree. <laughs> It's like, are you doing that for the right reasons, right? So the person who wrote in, self-aware enough to ask if I'm closed-minded. Great first step. Mm -hmm. Like, that person is definitely savable. But you have to, have you become addicted to just being the guy that goes, but actually, you know what I mean? Or like, here's why, because that was something, again, on the left that happened, where... 
anytime someone liked something, uh-huh. you know, you would have to tell them why they're wrong or why, you know, you could literally tweet like, uh, love crazy rich Asians. Everyone loved crazy rich Asians, but me, old Jamie and me friends were like, oh, so all Asians are crazy. And like, what about like, uh, uh, what kind of Asians are they? Like, are there trans Asians? And you just like find ways just to attack, 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 attack and be like, I am better than you. Mm-hmm. If that's why you're constantly disagreeing, you shouldn't ever be having conversations just to prove you're right. I mean, mm-hmm. that's the best relationship advice I can give too. If both of your goals are to become better people and save the relationship instead of I want to win this fight, then you should be psyched to apologize. You should be psyched to figure out to realize you're wrong. You know, I mean, that's what happens now. When you're having these political arguments, so many times you're not actually hearing what the person's saying. You're just lock and loading your talking point that your team told you about. And a lot of times you don't even you couldn't even go into depth about your talking point. You just go, I know when this person says that, you know, uh, we should have college for all. I'm supposed to say, how do you pay for that? But neither of you are actually looking at, you know, maybe the liberals not looking at how do we pay for that? Maybe the conservatives not looking at you know, maybe we should have free education, even if we don't know how to do it right now. Like, how can we talk about this? How can we have a conversation? So if you are constantly trying to disagree with someone to prove that you are smarter or that you're more well-read or you think you're going to, like, you know, help this poor, hapless victim who doesn't know uh, the that day's talking points from CNN or from The Intercept or from the National Review or whatever side you're on, no good. You should go into conversations excited to learn, excited mm. to change your mind, uh, excited to uh, evolve. We view the term flip flopper is such a negative thing. When in reality, to me, like changing your mind is great. That's yeah. one of like the key steps to evolution, to moving mm-hmm. on. And yeah, I used to do that all the time because I assumed to me being liberal was I want more people to have rights, mm-hmm. which also means that I assume that all Republicans don't. And I've had. I, there's probably about half of my audience, even though I'm still very liberal, who are conservatives. And we got one yesterday. A dude on Patreon is giving us $50 a month, which is insane. Wow. And he wrote, I don't agree with anything you say. It was hysterical. His email, anything. And he goes, and I don't want you to pander to me. No matter how much you piss me off, I am still going to give you this money for at least a year, he said, which is 500 bucks <laughs> to listen to yeah. someone who politically enrages you. Yeah. And he goes, because I like the way you're doing it. And I mm-hmm. like that you're not name calling. And I like. And so that to me was the greatest compliment I've ever gotten, yeah. as opposed to the years where I had people in my own echo chamber being like, I agree with the thing you said, so keep saying it. And then I would have to keep saying it and keep saying it. My mm-hmm. life is so much richer reading people I disagree, talking people I disagree with, and sometimes changing my mind, and sometimes being like, oh, still disagree, but like you're a dope person, let's be friends. You're yeah. making room for other people's mistakes and nuances, and I think if we can do that, if we make room, that is the best place to approach any discussion or place uh, from which we we disagree. Totally. Yeah, definitely. Uh, my pithy answer is approaching opinions from multiple sides makes it easier to respect those we disagree with. Like and again, like people just want to know that you see where they're coming from. So, like, if you can take a moment to put yourself in someone's shoes and like see why they have that opposing, that complete opposite belief or that complete opposite value, like that's going to help you get closer to having some meaningful conversations. Like, I'm reading this book right now. I forget the guy's name. I know his last name is Eisenstein, uh, but it's called uh, Climate Change, A New Story. Mm-hmm. And like the dude is 
he basically approaches it with like, hey, if you're a climate denier, you're on the wrong side. Or, or, or if, you're, if you're a climate change denier, you're on the wrong side. If you use the term climate change denier, you're on the wrong side. Mm. Like he takes this very centered approach. And what he does in the book is he goes through all of the skeptical information when it comes to climate change. He goes through all the scientific data that uh, supports, you know, the climate change with the CO2. And, and, and it's it's a really rich book on how to look at the environment. And I'll tell you, like, it, the far left side when it comes to the environment, like, they're off a little bit. And on the far right side, they're off a little bit. And he goes through both sides. And that, I think, is what, what is, again, is going to create the meaningful outcomes. Oh, dude, check this out. So I, I literally just talked about this on today's podcast where I talked to an old comedian friend of mine who's conservative. And we stopped talking. And... He, was Nick DiPaolo. It was Nick DiPaolo. Yeah. <laughs> it, it was Dennis Miller. Um, and we but we stopped talking and he gave me my first stage time in, in, in New Jersey. So mm. we have this phone call and I, I just randomly DM'd him and was just like, hey, man, I probably said some shitty things to you when I was like a liberal asshole. Uh, I'm really sorry. And he's like, can I call you? And we had the greatest conversation about wow. comedy, about how, mm. you know, about censorship nowadays, about all this stuff. And we started talking about climate change. Mm. And he said, he goes, I hate the new green deal. Yeah. If I saw someone on Twitter say, I hate the new green deal, not only would I assume they're a climate change denier, mm. I'd be like, oh, this fucking hillbilly who probably thinks Jesus is going to fix everything. Right. And he probably hates AOC because he hates women and he's got a tiny dick. And I would just be like, <laughs> I'd be such an asshole right away. Yeah. Because I said, why? He goes, well, I read it, and I read a bunch of scientific stuff, uh, scientific papers. I read scientific papers all day long, which I would have had no idea. Mm. And same thing. He said there's a bunch of stuff that's a little bit off. Mm -hmm. With that said, he goes, I think America should be the number one uh, the, the number one resource when it comes to alternative fuel because I want America to be number one. Mm -hmm. What does a lefty environmentalist want? They want us to use our resources to come up with alternative fuel sources. Mm -hmm. So because we kept the conversation going, not only did I find out, okay, extreme left's a little off, extreme right's a little off, but we have the same fucking goal, Yeah. right? I don't care if he wants to do it because he wants an American flag that's like, fuck you, China, we have solar or whatever. Don't care. Right. And I want to do it because I think the world's going to end um, because <laughs> of climate change, right? We want, we want it for different reasons, but just because we kept talking for five more minutes you, and you, I didn't assume he was like a sexist Jesus freak and he didn't assume I was like a dumb, in a, uh, uh, uneducated liberal. Yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> we have literally... The exact same goal. Yeah, you found that common ground by just digging in a little bit deeper a and trying bit. to see it from yeah. his side. Making room for nuance. Yeah. All right, it looks like we have a bunch more questions here today, Jamie. And we're going to answer some of these here. How do you deal with a friend who says your political beliefs are ruining the country? <laughs> How should loved ones reconcile conflicting beliefs? What's the best way to discuss life's most controversial topics like abortion <laughs> we'll be talking about that uh, how do you deal with someone who annoys you and we've got several more questions also jamie you had this tweet i want to talk to you about this tweet where you said i was hoping my fear anxiety and depression would fight it out and leave me to deal with only one but they appear to have joined forces <laughs> yeah. to destroy me yep that did happen <laughs> we are going to be talking about all of that and if you want to hear all of that you can listen to this week's maximal episode available exclusively on patreon that's right you're currently listening to our weekly minimal episode but each week ryan and i record an entirely different much longer maximal episode on the minimalist private podcast which gives us the private space we need 
to talk about topics we don't usually discuss in public. Plus, Patreon is the best way for us to fund this podcast and keep it 100% advertisement-free. When you subscribe to the Minimalist Private Podcast on Patreon, you'll also receive a personal link so that our maximal episodes play in your favorite podcast app. Find all the details and all the good stuff over at theminimalists.com slash support. Ryan, what else you got for us this week? Man, as always, being informed is more important than ever these days. I mean, you know, talking about how we put ourselves in these bubbles. In fact, we did a podcast a while back about being in our own bubble in Missoula, this liberal haven in Montana. Yeah. And it's like when I did that, uh, you know, Trump gets elected and I was totally aloof. To like what was going on outside of my bubble. Me too. I was in Park Slope, Brooklyn. Right. Like what? <laughs> like wait, what just happened? Yep. But you know, here's the thing though: is like that that experience helped me to appreciate that I need to read more and get informed to look at all sides, so I'm not stuck in this bubble. Um, also, here I've got some uh, voicemail comments and tips from our listeners. Check them out. Hi, uh, I'm Grace from the Bay Area, and I just wanted to make a comment on your sustainable living episode. So I started my minimalism sustainability journey a year ago as a sophomore in high school. And recently, I've actually realized that making my own beauty products has made a positive impact on my life and my self-care routine. Uh, everything is natural, and it also builds a nice relationship because it takes more time, and you'll use less products that are maybe not useful in your routine. Hi, my name is Lori. I'm from the Chicago area. I wasn't able to come to the event in Chicago, but I did listen to the podcast of it. And um, I come from a long line of hoarders, even though I don't struggle with uh, accumulating stuff myself. And I wanted to talk to the woman who um, had said she was having trouble getting rid of things because she didn't have a car. One thing I've noticed is that many times people who struggle with too many possessions uh, have plans, specific plans for those items. You know, you might hear someone say, um, I can't get rid of those doilies because I'm giving them to Aunt Sally, or, you know, I'm keeping the paper towel tubes because I'm going to bring them to the local preschool for crafts. But that day never comes, and you just keep holding on to it. Um, a side note here is that we often make plans for our things, not just to hold on to them longer, but because we attribute more value to those items than they actually have. But that would be a whole other comment. <laughs> so for people who struggle with stuff, I just recommend being really honest with yourself about the plans you have for those items. They may sound altruistic, but it may just be like a, a veiled way of excusing yourself to continue to keep those items. So I recommend just pack it all up. Donate it all to Goodwill or the Salvation Army or have somebody come and pick it up. And whoever's meant to have those items will find them. And you can just let go of that responsibility of feeling like you need to find the perfect home for it. And then you won't be able to use logistics or lack of time as an excuse to hold on to things. All right, y'all. Thanks again to Jamie Kilstein for joining us today. Jamie, I want to encourage folks to listen to your daily podcast, The yeah. Jamie Kilstein Show. Yep. Uh, Jamie Kilstein Podcast, iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify for free. We're also at Patreon. Uh, if you guys liked what I said at all, and we also talk about like mental health and, and, and stuff like that, but the podcast is daily. It's short. It's covering stories the way I, I, I talked about them today, and you'll definitely hear it on your guys' Patreon episode when we talk about the more controversial issues. Um 
it would be a lot easier every time I've asked like my famous friends, how do you make more money, get more listeners? They're like start fights. And literally they've told me like start fights on Twitter. Everyone will want to back you up. If I was a screaming lefty or a screaming conservative who used to be a lefty, it is a lot easier to make money that way, especially under Trump, especially being so divided as we are. When I told my agent, I want to do a podcast about nuance and conversation. He essentially looked at me like, go fuck yourself. Um, But I think it's really important. And the people who have found the podcast, like I said, conservatives write in all the time. But we also have like 18 year old LGBT punk kids who listen to the show and they're talking to each other and they're becoming friends. And it's a really cool community that like literally our fans have helped other fans like who have been suicidal. Like we're building something cool that's not as sexy to pitch as screaming and yelling. And I love your show and what you guys stand for. And your show literally saved my life when it comes to to the move um when it comes to when it came to a lot of stuff that i was doing incorrectly in my life and so i think a lot of your audience will like it i hope they check it out or at least say hey to me um and i just yeah i love what you guys do so much and appreciate this i'm definitely appreciate you man yeah yep love you brother um right here right now this is where we talk about one thing that's going on in the life of the minimalist we just put this essay out on our website called how much is enough and um, this is a question that Ryan and I have been trying to tackle over the last month or two months, three months. Um, we've seen uh, significant growth on, on our Patreon side. And you and I have actually had conversations about enough yeah. and like what a minimum viable audience is. I'm just going to read an excerpt from this, but you can find it at theminimalists.com slash enough. How much is enough? Without asking this question, we blindly pursue excess. We have been acculturated to act rapaciously, acquire consume, indulge, more, more, more. How much is enough? Without an answer, we don't know how to proceed because we don't know when to stop. Mindless desire takes us by the hand. Of course, enough is different for each of us. Enough changes as our needs and circumstances change. Your enough may include a sofa, coffee table, and TV, a dining table that seats six, a three-bedroom home, a two-car garage, a backyard trampoline. Or that might be too much. Enough changes over time. Yesterday's enough may be too much today. How much is enough? Less than enough is depriving. More than enough is indulging. Enough is the sweet spot in the middle, the place where intentionality intersects with contentment, where le- where lust doesn't get in the way of creating something meaningful. Uh, the essay goes on to talk about how Ryan and I recently capped our, our Patreon audience at 6,000 people. So we're done at 6,000. We we're not, we're not at 6,000 yet, but we've seen it over the last three or four months just double in size. Whoa. And what we're realizing is like, okay, we're not just trying to grow for the sake of growing. Uh, Seth Godin has this thing, which I sent to you about yep. the minimum viable audience. And, and Kevin Kelly has this thing about the thousand true fans. Mm-hmm. And what we're realizing is this podcast is free and accessible and advertisement free to anyone who wants to listen to it. But there are sometimes we want to go deeper and talk about things that we don't normally talk about in public. And so we want to cap that because I don't want that to continue to necessarily grow. But I also I want it to be a, a group of people who understand us where we feel the freedom to not be judged or criticized unnecessarily. Now you can give us feedback. That's In fact, so cool. we yeah. appreciate the feedback, right? Mm-hmm. And so we figure out what enough is for us. 
Just like when we started dealing with consumerism in our lives, we figured out what was enough stuff. And that enough has changed over time. Now that I have a family, enough is different. Now I live in California, enough is different for me. And so that continues to change. And for me and, and Ryan, we figured out like, yeah, we could rocket past 6,000 people, but could is not a good reason to do anything. Hmm. And so uh, you can check that out at theminimalists.com slash enough. If you have a question, comment, or minimalism tip for our podcast, leave us a voicemail, 406-219-7839, or send a voice memo to podcast at theminimalists.com. You can comment on this episode at youtube.com slash theminimalists. If you want our show notes in your inbox, sign up for our email list over at theminimalists.com, and you'll also receive our simple Sunday emails each week. For our added value this week, uh, this is like perfectly on topic, I think, since we're talking about finding common ground and being triggered by other people on social <laughs> media, right? Yeah, I was that person, sorry. There's there's this song that, um, and by the way, being triggered by people we love, it's so easy to be triggered oh, by, yeah. by those people, right? Oh. Well, th there's this song with it, like this beautiful melody that creates this strange but beautiful dissonance uh, with the anger that are in the, the lyrics. Uh, there's a singer, Janae Aiko. I'm not, mm -hmm. not sure you're familiar with her, yeah, but she yeah, has yeah. A, this, uh, this song called Triggered. And there's this, it's a beautiful song, but when you listen to the lyrics, you're like, oh, there is this dissidence here. And I think that, that in a way, that, that's, that's how all relationships work. They're difficult, they're beautiful, they're filled with emotion. And of course, we get to choose what emotions we let in ultimately, or what em emotions we, we let linger. Amen. So let's listen to Triggered by Janae Aiko. And if you leave here today with just one message, we hope it's this. Love people and use things, because the opposite never works. Thanks for listening, y'all. We'll see you next time. Go figure. You were the trigger. You brought me to an obstructive view. When you knew the picture was bigger. Who am I kidding? Knew from the beginning. You would ruin everything. You do it every time. You are my enemy. You are no friend of mine. No. You motherfucking right. You motherfucking right. I'm bitter. You motherfucking Right, I'm triggered. You want right I wanna right now. I just turned the lights out now. And you know when the sun go down, that's when it would all go down. Been a minute, been a while. Ain't nobody hit it since you with it. You know you always know what to do with it. Bet it on me and you without you in it. Damn, I'm about to burn this bitch down. Think I need to lie down. Cause I'm not trying to wild out now. But right now, don't know what I'm capable of. Might around and go crazy on cuz. Might around have to pay me in blood. This ain't the way that you want it. Might catch a case in this bitch. Don't let me catch you face to face in this bitch. Trying my hardest not to disrespect you. After what you did, man, what you expected. You must.